Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Jordan Shank for Female Startup Club. and welcome back to another episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. I'm your host, Dune Roisin, and joining me on today's show is Jordan Schenk, co-founder and CMO of Sunwink. Sunwink is a plant-powered wellness company for the masses. Their first products to market are a suite of sparkling tonics that have functional benefits from the superfoods and superherbs within, and they taste delicious. In this episode, we're covering so much of the good stuff, like how Jordan came to be a part of this project in the first place after heading up the marketing for Impossible Foods, the critical importance of branding and brand building, and her key advice for women who have a big idea. And as always, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this episode, please do share it and shout about it with them. It helps other ears find us, and it also empowers the women around you who are launching their own businesses or want to. This is Jordan for Female Startup Club. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Jordan, hi, hello, and welcome to the Female Startup Club podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here, especially now that I have mucked us around with this technology issues and we're finally getting going. (laughs) Do you want to start by introducing yourself and what your business is? Of course. Uh, My name is Jordan Shank. I'm one of the co-founders of a company called Sunwink. We are a plant-powered wellness brand that creates, well, originally we were creating beverage products, but we'll be launching a few new powder products this year and hopefully more in the coming years. But our mission is to, you know, create super clean, super accessible products that, you know, inspire people to integrate plant-powered wellness into their daily life. Gosh, it all sounds so delicious and looks so beautiful. I'm super excited to get into that part of it, but let's go back first to life before Sunwink and what you were up to what you were doing, and what was getting you interested in starting your own business? Definitely. So before Sunwink, and my story coming to Sunwink is a bit unique, which I think is also probably going to be unique for people thinking about their businesses or, you know, if they're in a startup, because I joined my partner after she had done quite a bit of like product testing as a co-founder. But yeah, before this, I was, you know, I was head of marketing at Impossible Foods, was there from the pre-launch go-to-market strategy development through the launch of the product. Um, And then right at the start of, you know, the sort of cascade of scale with Burger King launching and a whole bunch of other sort of more globally recognizable carriers of the product, which was a really exciting journey. And a couple of things happened in that. That was where I got sort of not even like reinvigorated, but it's where I sort of got like the soul of what my purpose would be in my career, which would be to create and bring into the world as many companies that focus on bringing plant-powered or plant-based to the masses. Obviously, it's one of the most, I would say the most important sort of challenges of our time is just 
deeply understanding people's relationship with food um, and bringing better foods to people. It's better for the planet. We know it's better for everyone out there. So I figured why not make that my calling? And it also gave me the hunger to build and create companies. And I think Impossible was sort of what felt like would be a once in a lifetime experience. And what I realized is that it wasn't going to be and that I had this like, I don't know, crazy bone in me that made me want to keep making and growing companies. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It gave you the itch. It's something like that. Right. So you have this itch, something like that. And then at some point you meet Eliza. How did it come about? And what was she telling you that was getting you excited about joining the project that she'd already started working on? Eliza and I met at first just like two friends would meet, um, which is like usual. You get really drunk and you have like a good time together (laughs) and you realize like you enjoy each other's company first and foremost. And she had been working on some of the early formulations of the product. And she was sort of working on the the kind of nuances of the brand, but I was just really inspired. I don't know, like when you meet someone who you know you're going to be your partner, I was like first really inspired by just this person who had ruthless conviction to like make something work. And also like this sort of like ability to be flexible and like just like the desire to like want to make it work. I always think about it like, we always say it's like a dandelion, right? Like a weed. Like she's just like, I'm going to, live here even if there's concrete and like if you knock me down I'm gonna show up like elsewhere and so (laughs) oh my god I love that that was just like really interesting as like a person and then the product like what I started to see which was really interesting about the concept was like with impossible I was given the opportunity to go all over the like world right like all over the country we you know did a lot of work in Hong Kong like and in that, I was able to sort of start to understand consumers literally across the planet and where they were with like their sort of plant journey, call it, like whether it was plant-based or plant-based like health and wellness. And we just did so much research or I was literally like standing next to a line with like people waiting to try this burger and having so many conversations. And what I kept hearing was like, it wasn't just like for the cool kids, right? Like I would be talking to like 60 year old sort of like big, burly American men, like in a line waiting for a plant-based burger. And I'm asking, you know, them like what really got them interested. And they're like, well, you know, I've really been thinking about like my health lately. And like, I started trying things like turmeric supplements and, you know, I'm thinking about like whole foods. And this is like in Cleveland, Ohio, where we had like people telling us that like middle America is not going to want this product. And I'm sitting there like, no, they absolutely do. (laughs) And it's like this consciousness around like what it means to be consuming plants is so different than what it was like even five years ago. And people are so much more conscious. So hearing Eliza talk about her journey and wanting to bring products that were pretty much the closest thing you could have to earth, to beverage aisles, to snack aisles. I was like, this is super spot on. And actually people, not just on like the coasts of America or in the cool cities of New York and LA are looking for these products. So I was like, at the time we were like, we have no idea (laughs) where this is going to go and take us. But like, you have this really interesting tonic that's kind of a little too intense tasting, but I think we can make it more palatable. (laughs) And then it was just like, from there, we, we just sort of started going and I started 
like I was an advisor and then like consulting with her while like still doing like other parts of like my life, (laughs) figuring out like if we could work together. And then we just like decided to like fully merge and become co-founders together to like kind of shepherd in what the like launch of the product that you see today and the future of the company. Wow. So exciting. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What was the timeline like in terms of when you'd sort of had that conversation of, you know what, I'm actually going to go all in. How long was it then until you actually launched the product and things started to move? Well, we were, (laughs) it was funny because we were like, we probably were working together for like four or five months. I can't remember before like I officially started. It must have been in October. Yeah. So it would have been like seven or eight months or so. And she like had first come to me around just like, I need like the brand isn't, doesn't look good. Like it just doesn't look good. And I was like, it doesn't, it looks like a doily. And like, it's like, it's not going to resonate with the consumer. (laughs) No, it's not what you want. It's not what they want. It like needs to 
it just needs to change a little bit. And so like, even though I was like an advisor and then like, like loosely consulting, it was like, I was not billing for like hours where she would just be sitting at my table late at night and we would be like working through it. And I would be like, I'm not, you know, a perfect creative director, but like, here's the direction I think we should go. And like, I know this designer that can help. And like, so we, we were doing that sort of off and on. And I was like the person she would call where she's like, I think it needs bubbles and it it needs to be more like soda. And I was like, yes. And then like pretty much she was like running marketing quietly on the like side. And I don't know, she had been sort of like, would you be interested? And I don't know, like it just sort of like happened where I was like, well, now I'm so far in this and committed to it because we've had so many like changes, like big changes that I had helped impact that it made sense to like, just like come in fully and like start really building it. But it was like a lot, it was probably like seven months. Like it was like, and it was essentially like, I just like at that point I was like, I'm too committed. Like I have to like, (laughs) we have to do it, you know, like, and then I joined her. In that kind of scenario, because she had already started the product before you joined and, and it was her idea coming in as a co-founder, did you have to like buy in or was she, did she see you and then think, you know what, you are the perfect person to build this brand with me. Let's just, you know, figure out and, you know, a deal essentially and go in on this together. We, we just figured it out by way of like, how would we split the, like the company itself based off of like where her standing was in the business. Like, so it really, I mean, at that point we had had like angel investment as well too. Like the company had been priced. And so like that has a different sort of like weight on it. So it it does come down to like an honest conversation between the founders, like with what, like what is equitable, what makes one individual feel whole. And that was like, again, like we had been able to have like really productive conversations. And so that felt really good by me. And so it was just like, how do we find the split that feels right for like how far in, you know, she was versus like where like it would go in the value that would come in with where like my joining the company would bring. So it's like, and it's not as, um, it's actually quite more common than it's like not for a lot of folks, especially if the company is really, really early stage. Like at that time, like we were probably in like, you know, like 40 stores and like, it was still like Eliza had just gotten done driving around a Honda fit and delivering product. Like it wasn't like the company had big distribution, didn't have like a web presence, didn't have any like sort of like press notoriety. So it was still quite early, but we still had to deal with like the semantics of like the company had been priced and we had to figure out like there was real value versus like a zero sum start. Got it. That's so interesting. So prior to that kind of time, when she was originally doing it, how was she building that awareness for the brand? And then how did that evolve when you came into the picture with your background and with your expertise in marketing? At the point at which like Eliza was doing the work, there wasn't really, I mean, there wasn't any type of like initiative or work around brand awareness. It was really like rooted in product testing and product development. So what Eliza did was interesting was she used like small retail channels and like the demos you see in grocery stores to like test the product. So like, whereas like if you were a big company, you would be able to do that all behind the scenes, you know, like 
bring in your focus groups and really iterate. Eliza just like took that and did that live. Like she would go set up the demo. She would like have people try the product, hear the reactions. Like she'd have some formulas where people like spat it back in her face and some formulas where it didn't work. Or it did <laughs> oh, work. God. Love that. That was like the early product. So she really used that time just to figure out like product market fit and what was important for consumers. And so that's why when I came in, it was like still this pretty small, like pretty conceptually quite small. And then what we did end up planning while I was like, sort of like advising before I had fully joined was like, how do we create sort of like a really big launch at Expo West, where the brand was turned over, where like the booth that like we launched looked amazing. And I'm like sitting here, like here's some different, like amazing, like vendors that I know from like having built a million things in marketing before. And so we made that really splashy and that's what got the attention of Whole Foods. And so when Whole Foods like clicked on, which is a big retailer here, like a na- big sort of national retailer, that was when like I came in to like really like, okay, this is now like serious <laughs> with like the brand coming sort of into its next phase as an organization, but still so, so small then. In that time then, when you you pick up Whole Foods as a as a huge stockist, and I imagine at that same time you need to balance like getting customers to demand the product and to be going in and buying it in store, and you really have to focus on that brand building yeah. exposure. What kinds of things were you doing at that time? So, I mean, in the early days, we had to focus like where we were. So, Whole Foods like early Whole Foods launches we launched in like the Rocky Mountains, right? And then we launched a little bit in NorCal. So we did a lot of like straight up like sampling and community development, like making sure that the product was at events, making sure that we had like a heavy dose of like demos in store. Like it was really scrappy. We didn't have like this sort of, you know, big digital advertising push. And so we like, we did it the, again, like the harder way, which is like everything we do (laughs) for whatever reason. which was like just really having to start to like saturate and build demand in the market. We used like a bit of press here and there to kind of pull that off. Like we had a few good articles, like at a time when we launched in like Erewhon in LA and we did a few like events through some more of like the influential retailers. But it really wasn't until I would say at the beginning of 2020, when we turned on our online business that like things really started to take off like retail obviously was growing but online allowed us to like really start to scale awareness so we've like been able to not only see like our e-com business grow but also the velocities in our retailers grow simultaneously because we're advertising more people are able to like try the product anywhere we're getting like consumers and random you know parts of the country where we're not like going into retailers and asking them to carry it in so like really once we turned on D to C things started to move exponentially, which again, we've been always a bit more cautious about like how we and where we enter. And I think some of that just came down to like, at first we were like, the product's always been in glass bottles and to make sure you're setting up fulfillment in a way that's like not totally putting your, your brand at risk of like every shipment to damage does take time. And so like getting our D to C together was like, you know, we were just a bit more thoughtful. But again, it was like within 12 months. So it's not like thoughtful is like, it feels thoughtful in startup 
world, but like, it's really short. (laughs) Right. Got it. (laughs) And when you say you turned on, you know, the, the digital side of things, do you mean performance marketing, launching Mm -hmm. ads, doing Google, or is there more of also an organic play happening at the same time? Are you able to dig in a little deeper? Yeah, it was both. So the performance marketing side was like social ads. And then our Google advertising has obviously really helped from just an like an awareness and acquisition standpoint. Um, but then that also allowed us to really start to grow like our ECRM. Um, SMS became like a really has become a really incredible tool for us. So we've actually just found these like, I mean, better ways that we're engaging with our customers. And also like we're able to say, hey, like maybe there's a product launch or a sale on the website, but also like if you go into Whole Foods right now, there's a promo going on. So we're able to kind of move our audience in different ways, which is the cool thing about beverage because like beverage is such a frequent purchase, you know, like I think on average, I was, you know, reading like the average American consumes like three non-water beverages a day, like something crazy like that. So wow, it's like really high. Like, I mean, this is, I mean, if you think about it, like we're sort of like the land of Coca-Colas and kombuchas, right? So people here really like their products. And like we were like, hey, there's actually like a really cool side of kind of bit of frequency we can play with. So that really helped. We also, you know, in starting to partner with like kind of unique thought leaders or folks that are on like Instagram or Twitter or ones that are within our sort of mission alignment space, whether that was like sustainability, plant powered, uh, wellness, like social justice issues, we were really able to start reaching out to them. And we just like gift, we gift like crazy, which I probably like, sometimes I'm like, shouldn't say that on a, <laughs> on a podcast as a request, but like, we really do. Like if someone asks that they want to like try it or like we see someone we really like, like we just, we're probably sending like several hundred samples a, like a month to different people. And like, that's a really... I think important part of like, how do you get the word out there? Yeah. And I imagine for you guys, you know, if people like the taste of your product, then they're sold. They'll buy it at the supermarket when they see it, they'll order it for their home. They'll request to have it in their office. You just need to get it in their hands. Yeah. And like when the pandemic hit, usually in like the food world, you build a lot of awareness, like through in-store like demo or in-store promotions, there's sort of a whole alchemy around like the grocery shopper, right? And when you walk in, like what's going to make them know and learn about your brand. And with the pandemic, no brand had that. Like you couldn't demo, like you couldn't, like no one was going into like the refrigerated beverage aisles. They were going to buy flour, you know? (laughs) So it like this whole, like, how do you, and then there were no physical events. There were no bars. Like So this whole question of like, how do you introduce the product to people really like moved us to relying to like, how do we sample through like as much as we can through online means? Like how, like, again, like how do we get people to like try for the first time via like a performance, like marketing advertisement. So it, it changed our business a lot this year in a good way. I think like it's been so, so positive to like really learn and grow and move online a bit more. Totally. 
it's all set up and rearing to go for when the world goes back to normal and wants to buy in store as well. <laughs> <laughs> and we're growing like, and that's like slowly starting to return sort of the foot traffic. And I mean, it's a good thing. Like we're seeing that in our numbers. We had to be nimble. We lost, I mean, we were a big food service brand as well. And we lost like 40% of our business in a day. Like nobody in cafes and bars or restaurants could be open to buy. So we had to really think like, we have to like move as quickly as we can to meet the customer where they're going to be, which is ordering online. Absolutely. But we made it up, which was like definitely, I know for a lot of people, it was like super, it's like that jarring moment where you're like, Okay. What do we, what What do we we do? do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, earlier you said something, um, when you were with impossible foods, you were standing in those lines and you were seeing that actually the customer was, you know, potentially a big burly guy who was really interested to try this non-meat plant-based product. Have you also seen a difference in who you thought your customer was going to be and who your customer actually is? Yes. I think what, you know, we went into this, you know, and this is probably what I'm sure you see with a lot of founders, like founders tend to make products that they need, right? Like it's, I need this. So I make this for myself. And, you know, Eliza and I are in our thirties. We're millennials. We're going to make the product based off of like what is missing for us. Like we want products that don't have like junk in the like ingredients. And we want something that's you know, beautiful with a mission and, and, you know, a give back component. Like those are just sort of like the minimum expectations we have as individuals and how we eat. So we, and we want that to be everywhere, you know, like we want that to be in Walmart. So it's like, how do we do it? And so of course you design for yourself. But then I think what was really amazing when we started to really get traction was that we had, you know, we found that some of the like, more mature demographics that were like sort of the 45, 50 plus, like actually really are seeking products like this as well. And they're not, you know, in the driver's seat of like pop culture anymore, but like, like genuinely still have the same value set, which is like, is it clean and coming from the earth? Like, does it have a mission? And so that demographic really came on for us in a, in a meaningful way. And I think we also saw a sort of like, world of like almost like the techier kind of like atypical kind of like techie dude come in and like that was also this group that is again like ingredients their health like the mission and so for whatever reason sort of on this like mindset all these different audiences are meeting and that's been really cool to see because you know I think we designed the product to have like some form of ubiquity And I think the beautiful thing about like plants is that we all have some relationship with them in some way. And that makes it a little bit easier for us to not have to like sort of be like, okay, we're like Red Bull and we're only for like, it's extreme sports. We're like, actually, we're just for like earth and the people that live on it and all the wonderful things they do to make the planet this magical place. And like, there are people like there's a huge audience that like really wants that, you know, like they're never going to like jump from a spaceship kind of thing. So I think we've just started to see that. And it's like really, I think what's really cool is it's like really starting to grow and people get it. And some people don't get it, which is also a really good thing. Like you don't want everyone to like 
be a part of it. And I think, well, you do, but like, you also need some people that are going to be like, I don't think your mission's great. And you're like, okay, well, that's fine. Like if that's, you're making some strange decision then if you're going to make, like, <laughs> totally. if this isn't, you know, you know what I mean? You're like, okay, cool. <laughs> Bye. We're not yeah. for you. We're not, we're not the right fit. Yeah. I totally get that. I love what you were saying though, about, you know, it's for people who love the world and people who love plants and stuff. And I feel like I can also really see that reflected in the design and the kind of content that you put out. And it's so, it's such a beautiful brand. It really speaks to me. <laughs> I just have to say. Thank you. What advice do you have for women who have a big idea and want to start their own business? That they, I don't know. I think that you just, the, I'm sure you get this all the time and that you just have to start doing it. Cause I think the hardest thing is like jumping in. Right. And you're not going to solve everything in a day. It's like, it's all these like little micro steps that you take. So like when you first have an idea, like write a pitch deck for yourself and then like, just do it. Like it, and like, don't show it to anyone at first, but like, cause it, sometimes it feels like this huge, big thing, right? You're like, how do I network in? Who do I like, how do I figure out how to make this in the packaging? Or like, what do I do about like this type of sourcing? And like that stuff can start to like really collapse you. So what I always say is like the easiest and like first thing you can do is like, just write it out, draw it out. And then just like start calling your friends and like walking them through it and asking them like, do you know anyone that like can help me with this, can help me think through this? And like, that is like a first step just starts getting you moving. And like what you start to find in that process is like, either this is a really awesome idea or it's like not that good of an idea, but it doesn't mean that it's a bad idea. And then like rinse and repeat the process until like, as you sort of run down these lines, like what's going to happen is something's going to like pull you, like you're going to meet the right connection. They're going to pull you in. You're going to find your manufacturer and co-packer. And then all of a sudden you need to figure out like, how do I get like $50,000, $100 to like pay for this, right? And then you kind of keep going. But like, it's just that like, all you have to do is just like make, it can even be a Google, like a Google doc or a Word doc and just start like, you have to start like running the idea around. And if that's like also like, some people are more networked in certain places than others. And so obviously that's like, there's different levels of like oomph you need to like, do it. Like if you've done it before, or if you're super networked in food, like you may be able to run faster in the beginning. If you're going that direction, like you may not be able to run as fast. It's like, it's the same thing as like, I don't know, like when you're training for something, like you can't expect to like run a mile in under six minutes when you start running. Like it takes like day after day after day. <laughs> so I don't showing know that's up like and advice. sharpening your skill set totally every day like I I admire entrepreneurs I see who are like reaching out on LinkedIn and even though it's like they might not hear back from everyone like I know what they're like they're chipping away at it and it's like you just have to keep chipping away keep chipping <laughs> because it's like the hardest thing is like you are like it's almost like I don't know how to explain it. it's like you're constantly like it's like a like a bit of like a dodgeball game, like you're dodging the ball and you're trying to like get the moment where you catch it and you can throw it back, but it just takes so much work to, to do it. But it's like, that's what you have to do. Just like, just socialize. That's like, that's the start. Cause I've had a lot of things that like are so bad. Like I've done this same exercise where I've like started to run it out and start to socialize it. And like, 
it just doesn't stick. Like you can't, like you can feel it. Like you can't feel the network effect of like a concept and someone pulling other people in for you. Cause like, that's a really important part of it. And so the more you can just like sort of like beta test it, the faster you move and also just like throw it away if it's like not sticking, you know, and try something else on or change the language or change the product. I think I don't that's know. Is an that important advi- one. Is that advice? Is that, is that yes. helpful? Yes, absolutely. It's so helpful. And I think you raise an interesting point there when you say it's also okay to throw it away. And it's like, yeah, you don't have to stick to the one idea and, and, you know, you read a lot that you have to persevere and you have to push through and all this kind of thing. But actually there's something to be said about being like, you know what, I don't think this is the idea and just being like, I'm going to move on. I'm going to try and find the next one. Yeah. And the crazy thing is in the process of like, while you're, and this is like same for Eliza, like, while I was going through like the rounds of thinking through ideas or companies like you end up sometimes like meeting someone who's at a different part in their journey and you may end up like finding your path is like hey actually it's like co-founding this thing or like you start to move through this space of people who also have ideas and there's like you have to be like open to that but it's not until you just start like talking about your ideas are you going to find like other people who are like sort of in the same headspace like that's all you can do Talk to anyone Anyone. who will listen. Totally. Okay. We are up to the six quick questions part of the episode. I ask every woman I speak to these same six quick questions. So question number one is, what's your why? Why do you do what you do? Because I want to leave the world a better place than when I landed on it. I love that. Question number two is, what do you think has been the number one marketing moment that's made your business pop? Well, the most relevant one would be launching our online business. But then I also want to say the close second is our packaging and our branding. Because we've been able to create so much attention by just the sort of energy and the feeling of what it looks like. Yeah, I see that. It's so fun. (laughs) So, so bold. I love it. Question number three is where do you hang out to get smarter? What are you reading? What do you listen to? What newsletters do you subscribe to? Well, before the pandemic, I was always someone who hung around, you know, an art museum or even like a concert or a show. I used to tell my team or I've always told my teams like the role of marketing is to bring the outside world in. So it's like, how can you just experience as much outside as possible? I am someone who doesn't read a lot of like industry other than maybe like some just stuff around leadership. I don't read a lot of industry like books. I tend to like, I'm more of a social person. So it's like if I'm out or I'm like networking or I'm like looking at this thing, like that's how I find a lot of my inspiration. But if you were talking like to Eliza, she's like reading an HBS article and I'm like, like (laughs) just like, there's like, there's so much, I'm like on TikTok. I'm like, I'm actually way more inspired by what's happening on TikTok than I would be like reading sort of a formal business trade, though I know that the value and I see the value in both, but that's where, at least for marketing, I get. Love TikTok. TikTok is so much fun. (laughs) It's so much fun. And it's like, it's like art in real form. People interpreting social events, information, which is for me always a better way to understand like, history, society, where, you know, where we are versus like, I don't have to flick on the news or read some 
lengthy like Wall Street Journal plays or piece. Though I do love the journal because my friend Ryan Knutson is the voice on that podcast. Oh, <laughs> and so I do, shout I, do out to Ryan. Of, I do a lot of podcasts. I, do, I still do like a lot of my podcasting, but like, but yeah, if I'm like in this creative space, it, it's too hard to like be elsewhere. I get it. Or I also reply all like I'm a pod, like podcasts are great. Reply all is amazing. I do like my daily, like my usual weekly routine is like every daily, every journal, every reply all that comes out and mostly the Atlantic. And then I also like dabble between content of different news platforms. So I don't like, I kind of like move through the space, but I'm just a hyper consumer. I'm like a hyper consumer of like, I'm like all the content. All the things, all the things. Love that. Yeah. Question number four is how do you win the day? What are your AM or PM rituals that keep you feeling happy and motivated and successful? I make sure that I like walk every day, like before I start my day. And then when I end my day, so like in the morning, I make sure I'm either like walking to work or like walking to grab a coffee or just like walking for the sake of it. That's actually become a really important part of like just getting my head in the right space. I think in the pandemic, it's easy to like flick on and then like end up at your computer. But if you don't make that space, even if it's like the weather is not that great, if you're not making space to do that, that like sort of throws off my day. And then end of day, I always like end it with a walk. And then usually midday, I do a lot of like, walking meetings where like go outside and I'm like on the phone. So I'm just like movement and like being outside is such an important part of my winning of the day. And then I'm not so hard on myself about routines, but like, you know, I'm there for it. But usually for me, it's just like, how do I get nature in my life three times a day? Ooh, love that. I need more of that. Yeah. It's like, having tried so many different routines, it's like the only routine that seems to like actually. Yeah. Keep you grounded. Keep you calm. Keep you grounded. Take time for yourself to just have a big breath. Totally. Question number five is if you only had a thousand dollars left in your business bank account, how would you spend it? (laughs) I don't even know how, like what we would spend that on. (laughs) It's kind of like to look at what is the most important use of a dollar for you guys. Is it, is the company going to end after it? I would just, nope. Well, I would just (laughs) divide it up and give the rest of it to my employees. Like (laughs) the last thousand dollars would be split by the like, you know, (laughs) probably like people minus me and Eliza at the company. And then, then they can do with it what they, what they will. Um, (laughs) that's, that's how the last thousand dollars would go. (laughs) Amazing. And last question, question number six is how do you deal with failure? What's your mindset or approach? At Sunwink, we actually do something that I think is pretty cool. And it's one of our values. It's what we call is fail fabulously, which is like in the company's core values. And then also on Mondays, we do the whole company comes on and does gratitudes, which is just sort of like going around and saying, we can be grateful for something at the company or like, for something in their personal life. And then we do something called fabulous failures where like something that you totally like mucked up or, um, you know, like could have happened to you because you did it could have happened to you because you didn't, you know, you were just within the sort of like periphery of something and the chance to sort of like say it out loud and like have that cathartic experience of being like, this didn't go the way I wanted it to. And then the whole company kind of like celebrates it and you move forward 
I always have a really hard time with the concept of failure because I don't really like believe that there's like failure in absolute. Like I always think that there's like in the hardest times where I'd say like I haven't done what I intended or like things didn't go the way I wanted, I have learned the most though like the intended result may not have been right. So I just say like fail fabulously and often. That sounds so much fun. I'm going to I'm going to bring more of that into my life. Fail fabulously. Totally. Thank you so much, Jordan, for taking the time to be on the show today and for sharing all these amazing bits and bobs. I have loved learning your story and what you guys are creating for the world. Thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate it. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that.